Thank you for joining us at our Father's House in Pineville, Kentucky. Today's message is from the 2017 Encounter Youth Conference. Let's listen in with our Father's House Youth Pastor, Justin Helton. We know God has something great in store tonight. We're going from glory to glory to glory. And then come tomorrow to another glory. Then Monday to another glory. Don't stop with youth conference. Don't stop with the conference. We, we want to put everything in the box on that label called conference. But this is about carrying revival and awakening everywhere you go. Amen. So Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read that. And then John chapter 21 verses 1 through 7. Tonight I want to talk about the subject of the after effects of encounter. The after effects of encounter. In other words, where do you go after tonight from this weekend? Because a lot of times we just get people stirred up, filled up. You know, we've been to ramp conferences. This, these conferences, fourth one we've done, different conferences and things. But you know, if we, if we get so caught up in conference, we don't know how to live this thing out come Monday morning. And we've got to be able to live in a, in just supernatural wonder of God, devotion in the secret place. Amen. And not just a Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Friday night, whatever it is, but living this thing out every day. So if you would, would you stand tonight on to the reading of the word of God, Luke chapter five, beginning at verse one. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let me feel the presence of the Lord in the room. Man, it's thick, thick. Luke, Luke chapter five, beginning at verse one, one through 11. Then we're going to go to book of John chapter 21. If you got it, say Amen. If you don't have it, just look up on the screen and just follow along. Amen. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. He saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. Someone say, launch out. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought or a multitude of fish. And Simon answering said unto the master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had this, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him, at the multitude of the fish which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Book of John, chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. You're sticking to turn there and put it on the screen. John, chapter 21, verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This was the third time he'd appeared to them since his resurrection. And on this wise, he showed he himself. And then were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the disciples. Simon Peter said unto him, I go a fishing. I go, notice that they are back where they began. I want you to catch that. I go fishing. And they said, well, we're going with you. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they had caught nothing. 
But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the ship, and you will find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Notice that when he spoke to them, they did not recognize it was Jesus. But when they saw what he carried, then they recognized. People can know you by your words, but they better know you by what you carry. It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fish's coat unto him, for he was naked and he cast himself into the sea. So again, tonight we want to talk about the subject of the after effects of encounter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for Matt Gilman and his team, Lord, just leading us to the throne room. We thank you for heaven colliding with earth. We thank you that heaven is in this room. God, we exalt your name, which is above every name. Holy Spirit, come and minister a timely word to your people. God, I pray that we will leave different than the way that we came. God, we may have accounted you Thursday night and Friday night, but God, for everyone in this room, that this be a night of new and fresh encounters of your glory. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says, Amen. Amen. May be seated in the presence of the Lord. And as you're seated, give God a good hand clap of praise and honor him for his word. Tonight, I'm not after the pew warmer. I'm not after the idle churchgoer. What I'm after tonight is a remnant of people who are hungry and desperate for the glory of God. Amen. And I'm after a group of people who says, I want a new and fresh encounter with Jesus. Amen. That's what we're after tonight. But before we get started, what is an encounter? An encounter is an unexpected moment. It is when you come face to face with something that conquers you. When you encounter the presence of God, His love conquers you. His power conquers you. His presence conquers you. An encounter is different from an experience. You can experience saving grace in an altar, but when you encounter His grace, His love conquers every part of your being. We have a lot of experiences, but not enough encounters. An experience is a direct observation based off knowledge. You know what you're going to experience because, because you've been there and done that or you've seen that before. For example, when Shane plays me one-on-one, he experiences knows that he's going to lose because he's been there before. <laughs> you started it last night. <laughs> Experiences come <laughs> from the basis of knowledge. Y'all liked that, didn't you? If you were there last night, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But encounters comes because it, you don't expect it. Paul had an encounter. He was on the road to Damascus, ready to persecute God's people, when a light shone from heaven and blinded him and put him off of his horse to the ground and said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But he would go from persecuting the gospel to preaching that very gospel he once persecuted, authoring one third of the New Testament. But he didn't, but where it all began, he had this encounter with God, but he went from that place to the hills of the mountains of Arabia where he stayed for three years as God poured revelation into him. He went from being addicted to religion to being addicted to Jesus. 
That's what happens when you have an encounter. Jacob had an encounter. He went from being having a label called thief. I'm sorry for all the Jacobs in the room, but that's what your name means. <laughs> Jacob's name means thief. But when he had an encounter on Peniel, when he had an encounter with the glory of the Lord, he wrestled with the angel of God to the breaking of day. When he went to that mountain, he didn't know what he, what, what he was going to face. He didn't know what was going to happen. But when he came off that mountain, he had a name change. He said, you'll no longer be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel, a prince of God. You would go from having being known as the sons of Jacob to giving birth to tribes of Israel. You would go from having a family to establishing a kingdom. Are you with me? You would go from having this name called thief to a name called prince, but it gets even better. He would be reconciled from that mountain with a brother that he had been bitter with for years. When you have an encounter with God, families are healed. Hearts are healed. Lives are healed. Listen, there is a God in heaven that you can encounter tonight that can heal your family, heal your region, heal your city, heal your nation, heal your land. Listen, there's a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could. Is anybody thankful for a God like that? You don't serve a dead God, but you serve a risen Savior. A lot of us have experienced the wrong version of Jesus. We've we've experienced the religious version of Jesus. Come on. We've experienced the Jesus who, who is judgmental in the church. And that's why people don't want that Jesus, right? We've experienced the Jesus that's dead on a cross. And I'm thankful that he died and we sang forever he's glorified. And listen, I believe, oh, I believe and so thankful in that he was wounded for me and bruised for me. But listen, if that was all it was all about, he would have been a martyr that died for a cause. But because the tomb is empty, I could have an encounter with a risen Savior. See, a suffering Jesus may equate to you because of your trials you've experienced. But an encounter with Jesus brings you to a place where you can know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen. Hallelujah. Moses had an encounter with Jesus. Moses had an encounter with Jesus. We're getting somewhere. He went, for three different times, he fasted for 40 days on top of Mount Sinai. And on one of those occasions, the glory of the Lord, he said, carry us not up from here without your presence. And he would say, God, show me your glory. And God said, no man can see my face and live. He said, I want to put you in the cleft of the rock. And he said, I'm going to pass by and put my hand over the rock. And you're going to see my hinder parts. God is outside of time, space, and matter. When he's seeing God's back parts, he got a revelation of eternity past. How else can Moses write the book of Genesis? How else can Moses write Genesis? He wasn't there chapters 1 through 50. Because when he called a glimpse of God, this encounter gave him something he had no man had ever witnessed before. He's seen creation. Before Adam came even on the scene. That comes from an encounter. There's an encounter waiting for you tonight. Do you might believe that? That you can see God in a way you've never seen him before. Hear him in a way you've never heard him. Feel him in a way you've never felt him before. 
But when he came off that mountain, God told him, he said, listen, Moses, Israel is dancing around the foot of the mountain. And they, they've made an idol and they're dancing. Go down there. And when he went down there, he saw they're dancing. Now watch this. The Israel was dancing around the earrings, the things they took out of Israel and their testimony and made it an idol, right? Made it an idol out of their testimony and they danced around it. But there was one man that came off the mountain with a glow who had the encounter. I said, who had the encounter? It was the man alone with God on a mountaintop. You can have a lot of commotion going on, but if you're not seeking his face, you're wasting time. Look at your neighbor and say encounter. Encounter. Two characteristics of encounter. You ready? Number one, it is unplanned. And number two, it is hostile. You'll look it up in dictionary. You'll find it. Google it. Like every theologian does. Google it online. Encounter. Unplanned and hostile. Think about it. Think of the hostility of God. When you encounter his presence, he changes your walk. Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. He struck Paul blind and put him on his face. Solomon and the ministers were in the temple. They couldn't even stand a minister. They all fell on the ground. That's what happens when an encounter. It's kind of hostile, but when you come into his presence, it changes your life. It changes your life. Number two, it's unplanned. So many people are going after one night experience. One not stand experiences within God when God is saying there's an encounter waiting for you of intimacy in the bedchamber of devotion. What are you talking about? I'm talking about alone with God. Jacob had to learn loneliness wasn't such a bad thing because to be alone with him means to, it means to not be bound by those relationships that can distract you and hinder you, right? Being alone with him. It's a good thing. It's a good place to be, right? Been alone with God. But this is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus because we know we're the bride of Christ, right? We all get that? When you have an encounter with Jesus, it results in spiritual unplanned pregnancies. You know what happens during that time? It's unplanned. You start carrying something that you wasn't expecting. And then you get to the place that everything that you eat, how you walk, how you live, how you move, everything you do, mothers, is about based on what you're carrying. So when you have an encounter with God, everything is based off what you're carrying. I can't watch that anymore. I can't listen to that anymore. I can't touch that anymore. I can't do that anymore because I've had an encounter with the throne room of heaven. And I've got more to gain than to lose. Amen. Because he said in Psalm 22 and 30, he said, a seed shall be accounted for a generation. So the seed of God's word being planted in my spirit, everything revolves around that seed. Because it's not just one person on royalty or one person in that seat next to you tonight. What's beside you and what is inside of you, it counts for a generation. I was uh, speaking to the Pineville uh, High School uh, earlier this week, and I told them, I said, nobody knows who won Billy Graham to Jesus. No, nobody knows that person. But everyone that Billy Graham has won to Jesus has been encountered for the person that won him to the Lord. Because God is after a nameless and faceless generation. Who 
whose name is not about being up in lights and selfish ambition and motivation. He's looking for the young people who said, I will go into the bedchamber. I will go into the prayer closet. I don't care if it's in a car. I don't care if it's in a locker room. I don't care where it is, but there's something inside of you that says there's got to be more than what I have right now. There's something more than what I tasted. I tasted and saw that he was good, but there's got to be more. Gotta be more. Gotta be more. Encounter. There's an encounter waiting for us. Look at someone beside you and tell them, encounter. Amen. When Paul, and I'll get into Peter here and try to land this thing soon. But when Paul had an encounter with the Lord, the only place that you'll find encounter in Scripture is is in the book of Acts when the Epicureans and Stoics on Mars Hill encountered Paul. There was something in Paul that won people over at Mars Hill. In other words, there's whatever you're carrying, it's more than about your life. It's about those in your classroom, in your grade, on your ball team, on your academic team. It goes far beyond anything about you. See, the enemy wants to make you think it's all about your problems and world. No, when the enemy comes at you, he's coming at your family. He's coming at your friends, your co-workers. He's coming at everything close, connected, and next to you. But when you've encountered the presence of God, you begin to carry something that allows other people to encounter you. You need to carry something that people can encounter. When Moses came off the mountain, they said, cover your face with a veil. And so he compromised by covering his face to hide conviction from them. But God's not called us to shun our faith and intimidation of man to try to cover and compromise what God has done in our life. There needs to be a glow. There needs to be a presence of God on us. Then when people come near us, they need to see something different. You don't know how many people have come to me and called me this week and said, there's just something different about your church and what's going on with the young people over there because there's a fire burning, but it's not to stay in this building. It's to go out there. Now, don't get me wrong. God didn't call you to save everybody. Okay? I want to free you from that religious burden. God didn't call you to save everybody, right? God didn't call you to save everybody. I had to learn this. God didn't call me to save everybody. God didn't call me to do that. He said, preach the gospel, right? I mean, be the, be the word. Be the, be the messenger of Jesus. Be the, but everybody else's response is totally up to them. That, as long as you're obedient, that blood's not on your hand, right? I've had, someone, I've had so many people come to me. Uh, like talking about salvation, they're like, man, pastor so-and-so saved me and preacher so-and-so, ain't no man, ain't no fallen man saved you. No preacher can save you. No musician can save you. No singer can save you because we've all sinned and come short, but there's a man named Jesus that when you encounter him, he can save you and change your life. Amen. But don't think your mission is to save the world. Your mission is to be the message and be obedient. Amen. Now let's get to Peter. Now Simon Peter, we, Robert Madu and, and uh, talked about him the other night and man gave Peter an awfully rough time, but uh, most of us can relate to Peter, right? Most of us can relate to this guy. But I want to talk about four responses of the after effects of encounter. Tonight you've got four choices of what you can do with the encounter that God has placed in your life. 
Four choices. You ready? Number one, you can go cycles. The cycle response. That's what Peter did. So Jesus had resurrected from the dead. He had resurrected from the grave. And he appeared to the women and told them, go tell the disciples. Go, the angels of the Lord told them. And then Jesus told them, go appear to the disciples and tell them to meet me in Galilee. But before they ever met him in Galilee, he would walk in the room among 11 of the disciples, or 10 of the disciples, excuse me. And Thomas was gone, gone out of disbelief apparently, right? Okay, but he walked through the door and walked him among them. So there again, they have another experience experience with Jesus, right? But they, all these experiences and all these occurrences throughout the years, you know what Paul, Peter did? After this moment in the house with Jesus, he said, I'm going to go back to Galilee where Jesus told me to, but instead of waiting for that visitation, he said, I'm not going to stay here and be bored all my life. I don't know when he's coming. I'm just going to go fishing. And he went back to the very thing in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus found him at, and that was fishing. He went through a cycle. If you're not careful, you can go back to where you started and go through these cycles of apologizing to God, having encounters with God, and then two or three days later, you're back as though nothing changed because those cycles support everything that God did in your life. Cycles are dangerous, is a dangerous place. It, Israel, a whole generation in Israel had to die because they complained in the wilderness for 40 years and it should have been a 12 day journey. Why? Because of cycles. Cycles. Your inconsistency pushes people away from Christ. Amen. Inconsistency pushes people away. There's got to be, instead of going in circles, which is exhausting, you need to say, just give me Jesus. That's all that I need. Right? Amen. Number two, the memorial experience. Well, he went back to where it started and it was a memorial. That's what a lot of people do. They establish memorials. You'll go from this weekend and say, man, that was an awesome weekend of service. God messed me up. God changed my life. God did this or that in my life. And you create a memorial of Encounter Youth Conference 2017. And then you wait for the next conference in 2018 and you make a memorial. And all you're doing is establishing memorials. But God did not call you to remain at the feet of the memorial and talk about the good days you used to have. Amen. That's what a lot of the church does. Oh, I remember when God used to move. It's the people that have fallen short. God distracted. God addicted to dead religion. And don't know how to worship God and go into the throne room of His presence. God is available and He is near. He is just waiting for people to draw closer. And closer. Because He said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near unto you. Aren't you glad God is near tonight? Amen. Two people. Aren't you glad God's near tonight? God's here. Amen. Your golf clap is very cute, but we'll continue. Amen. Number three is the religious box response. The religious box response. This is what Peter did. Oh, man. This is going to get good right here. We put in a religious box. This is how I encountered Jesus. And if no one encounters Jesus this way, then they're wrong. Oh, we're going there. <sighs> what if the Pentecostals, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterian, the Episcopals, and all these guys was all right? Everybody's right. They just had one dimension of God they understood. Come on. One dimension. Just the methods. I'm Methodist because I believe in the methods of the word. I'm Baptist because I've been baptized in water. I'm Pentecostal because the Holy Ghost has filled me. Right? I'm a mutt. 
I'm jacked up and happy about it. Right? It doesn't matter about denomination. You know what's so great about God? Is that heaven is not segregated and it is not divided. Your church might be, but the kingdom is not. So this, this is what Peter did. He had these encounters when the Holy Spirit filled the Italian centurion and his family named Cornelius. Understand, these are Gentile people. They're not Jewish. It's a different race of people. They're from Europe, okay? Totally different group of people. But they experienced and encountered the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit filled them. But you go into Galatian, and Paul is like, get, get all up with Peter. Did you understand? It wasn't all perfect in the early church. They got into it a few times. They did, because Paul got mad at Peter, and James was following suit with Peter because he refused to eat with the Gentiles when he's around the Jewish people. Put it into perspective. Hey, Sean, what's up, man? What's good, dude? See, we could go out here, talk, hang out by ourselves, but then I get in here to Kentucky, and I'm like, I've got to hang out with all my people over here. All my white brothers and sisters over here. Come on. Come on. That's what happened with Peter. He, he forgot what God did with Cornelius. When God said the color line has been washed in the blood of Jesus. I don't care what the news media says. I don't care what they're promoting. We are one blood in the kingdom. We are one blood. We are one in the sight of God. Racism will not make it to heaven. If you're racist in your heart, shed that thing at an altar. Because how do you, do you think your Caucasian self is going to be in the corner of heaven all by yourself? Come on. We're, he said in heaven there's of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I was seeing the pictures of the flood in Texas. And there were African Americans helping white people. And there were white people helping African Americans through that flood. You know why? Because when it comes down to it, we all love each other. But there's a lie in the media that says we're against each other. Listen, if God be for us, what can sin against us? We are one nation under God. I said we're one nation under God. One nation. I don't care what nations are represented. We're still one nation. And that is though the kingdom of Yahweh. If you believe it, give God a shout of praise right now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. 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 Man. Hallelujah. Don't put your encounter in a religious box because you experience God in some way does not mean that everybody else's way is wrong. Right? Your church sings out of the Red Book hymnal. Fabulous. Just worship Jesus. Right? If your song's from the 1600s, great. Just give God glory through it. Right? If it's a new song on Air One, K-Love, whatever, thank God for it. Right? But whatever you do, give him glory. But don't judge other people because they worship different than you. Because we serve the same God. If your religion is dead, then go find one that's alive in a prayer closet. Amen. You say, well, I'm going to go to a different church because I'm not getting fed at that church. Are you going to be a baby for the rest of your life? 
Because if you have to be fed at the right church your whole life, you're going to stay two years old. Come on. I'll leave that there. Hallelujah. But when you have an encounter with Jesus, there's something that grows you. You know what? Oh, glory. Samuel, the prophet, his mother would have to go up every year. I won't even plan on talking about this. Going up every year to where he was being a priest because he was outgrowing his priestly garments. And she would have to make them. Why? Because you got to grow into this thing. You got to grow into it. You can't stay a baby the rest of your life. I'm not getting fed in that youth group. So I'll go to the other youth group. No, get the fire here and go take it to your school. Go take it to your church. Go take it to your youth group. Be the fire of God. John Wesley said, I set myself on fire and the people come to watch me burn. It leads me to my, the fourth response to the after effects of encounter. And it is the perpetual burning response. That something burns within you. That's what happened with Peter initially when he encountered the presence of God. He had denied Jesus three times. But on the day of Pentecost, he encountered the Holy Spirit. And he went from preaching the gospel he denied. And he lifted Jesus on high. And you know what happened? 3,000 plus souls gave their heart to Jesus. And God confirmed his word with signs, wonders, and miracles. Right? He confirmed his word. There was a burning that could not go out. It's what caused Peter to be hung upside down on a cross in Rome. Because there was something about it that said, he died for me and I'm going to die for him. Talk about Jesus, man. A perpetual burning. You got, you can... You know what people like to do with the fire? They, they want to control it. That's what happened. You see, when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, do you understand he's talking about a fire? See, we think of light, we think of electricity. We think everything lights up our cities and our houses and things. The thing about electricity is you can control it. God's not after a man-made fire. You know what we want to do? We want to take that fire and we want to put it in the fireplace. We want to put it in the fireplace where we can get no, close to it and get comfortable. When God says there's a fire that's got to consume you, that changes your identity, that refines and purifies, and that causes you to say there's got to be more than that Saturday night meeting in Powerful. I'm talking about a fire. Look at your number, neighbor and say, Fire. Fire, perpetual fire burning. When you see Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he was baptized uh, and the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove and as lightning. It goes back to what I said earlier. I heard Apostle Damon Thompson say this. He said, he, he said when, you've been, when you have the dove on your shoulder, how would you walk? You wouldn't want to scare the dove away. You walk, it's the same thing with what you carry. That seed inside of you, everything you do is about what you carry. But then there's a lightning that comes from heaven, a fire of God that comes from heaven that changes you. And listen to me very carefully. God moves in many ways, manifestations. Jacob, Peter, they all had different encounters, but it was the same God. Same God, right? With Elijah, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, it all came. But that still small voice won him in the place of devotion that said, I've got to beat this depression and train up Elisha's after me. 
There's something more than what you've tasted, and it's available for you tonight. It's available for you tonight. The problem, the problem is, again, we want to try to control the fire that we've experienced. Wanda said something to me uh, during service there Sunday, and I want to share what she shared with me. Because we was talking about how that the angel of Satan, Lucifer, could transform himself into an angel of light. And she said something that was very profound. Just as fallen Lucifer can be transformed into an angel of light, fallen ministers who once carried the anointing can transform themselves into appearing what they used to carry. See, the ultimate mistake of the church, and if you're youth here, church here, I want you to pay close attention. If, you don't, if youth pastors and pastors don't get anything else, then I get, that, get this. You can't put people in positions of ministry, singing, music, youth groups, whatever. You can't put people in positions of ministries to make them feel obligated to come to church. It doesn't work. So they can feel obligated to be in God's house. You're training them to hear the words at the end of the age, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me. That's the most dreadful words that you can hear. But when you teach kids, it's okay. No discipline. We're under grace. No discipline. Go do whatever you want to do. Live any way that you want to live. And no discipline. You're just training them to hear those words. Depart from me. I never knew you. God wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. And it begins in the place of devotion. And tonight is a very, very, very good night to encounter his presence. And when you encounter him, it's up to you what you do after tonight. It's not up to me. It's up to you. You can go through cycles and abort everything that God has done this weekend. You can go through the memorials and say, man, that was an awesome weekend. Matt Gilman tore it up. These guys tore it up. Lawrence rapping for Jesus. He was amazing. You know, you can talk about all that stuff, right? You can go and say, you know what, establish these memorials or put this encounter with the religious box where God moved for me this way, then everybody, everyone's going to move this way. You can do all that stuff and fall short. Or you can get a fire that consumes every part of your life. Let's all stand all across this room. We'll ask Matt Gilman and the team to come up. Amen. Preach what the Lord gave me to share with you tonight. Hope you got something out of it. I want to encourage you guys. To not transform yourselves into something that you're not. Amen. I want you to be able to no longer dance around idols, but leave with a glow. I want you to leave with a name change. I want you to leave tonight with a name change. A change in your walk. You know how to do that? You lay down the mask, the veil at the altar that says, I'm this. You know, when Galatians, the Bible says that Paul told Peter and these guys, you're after this dissimulation. That, that word dissimulation, talking about when Peter was restraining from eating with the Gentiles, it goes back to hypocrisy. Hypocrite, which is what the church is called a lot nowadays. Hypocrite in the Greek, it was in Greek plays, they would call people hypocrites that would wear a mask to perform one play that might entertain everybody, cause everybody to laugh. They go behind the scenes, change their mask, tell a sob story that causes the crowd to cry. It's a mask. 
You can fool people with your mask, but God is not attracted to your mask. God is attracted to your identity. And your identity is not orphan. It is not broken. It is not depressed. It is not fearful. It is not anxious. It is not worrisome. It is not defeated. It is not ugly. It is not suicidal. It is not a cutter. It is not an adulterer. It is not a homosexual. It is not a liar. It is not a cheat. It is not a thief. Your identity is a son and a daughter of God. And that is the encounter waiting for you. Do not experience the religious Jesus, the sacrificial Jesus, but the real Jesus. The Jesus who hung on a cross, died, and resurrected so you could know the Father. To have the Father's heart for your generation. It's available for you tonight. You can go. You know what's so amazing when Peter encountered God? You know how you knew he encountered God? Because the light of God shone upon him so greatly that people were pushing people in cots in his shadow and were being healed. You can be satisfied with, with going to someone who lives in that kind of anointing and live off the coattail of someone else's prayer life. Or you can say, God, give me directly in the light. Let me see your eyes as a flame of fire and your feet refined like brass. Let me encounter the risen Jesus. Think about it. Daniel, when he described Jesus, he described him as this Jesus. He encountered the resurrected Jesus before he ever was born in, a, in the manger. But there's an encounter waiting for you tonight. I don't care how young you are. This is youth conference. I don't care how old you are. I don't care your race, color, creed. You're not defined by that. We're, again, we're one blood. But tonight is your opportunity to encounter the presence of Jesus. To let his fire consume every part of your being you can live in the shadows you can dance around the idol you can try to look and tell people that actually do carry the anointing to cover it up with a mask or you can lay down your own mask put it on the altar get real with Jesus and leave here changed and never be the same again never go back I've heard pastor partially say this The miracle was not that the water turned into wine. And the miracle was the wine never went back to water. God changes you. It's not to go back. It's to let that mask be consumed in the presence of Jesus. That your identity is forever sealed in him. I don't want people to know you by your voice. I want them to know you by what you carry. And tonight, there's a fire waiting for you. To encounter his glory, to consume your mind, your dreams, your visions, businesses, everything. A lot of times we want God to have all these parts, but as Pastor Josh said last night, there's those small things in your heart that you don't want God to touch. Truth be told, there's several in this room. You've been molested, you've been abused, you've been raped, never told us so. But God's here to heal you. He wants all of you. You've kept it hidden. It's affected your relationships, the way you look at men, the way you look at women. God wants to change that. Been bullied, as Isaac was talking about. He was in an identity crisis 
because of the experiences, bad experiences that he faced. But one encounter with Jesus changes everything. Isaac don't have that label anymore. Those labels of cutter. It is um, a sign. That's waiting for you tonight. So I want to open this altar for you, for everyone in this room. It's time to encounter his presence. I'm not going to do the religious thing where you bow your head and close your eyes. You don't need to be ashamed of your mask. You need to say, I have a mask and I'm going to lay it down. I'm talking about the mask that you, that you don't wear on the weekend, but that you wear on Monday morning. I'm talking about that mask. The mask that says, I'm ashamed to tell people about Jesus. That mask that says, I've got to fit in with the crowd. That mask that says that I'm this and I'm that other than what Jesus has proclaimed me to be. I'm after that thing because God is not attracted to your mask. Are you willing to lay down the hypocrite status and say, Jesus, have all of me. Have all of me. So I'm going to open this altar from the front to the back, from side to side. This altar is open for you. There's a fire waiting for you. God's ready for you to make that initial step. So I want to ask you to leave your seat. Get real with God. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But this is a very good place to encounter the presence of God and leave here forever changed. Would you come? Would you come? Anyone in this room, would you come? Would you come? If you don't want to come by yourself, get someone beside you and say, hey, would you come with me? Encounter. Encounter. There's an encounter waiting. Would you come? There's an encounter waiting. Would you come? There's revival at this altar. Would you come? If you don't know Jesus, this is a good night to meet Jesus. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Thank you, Jesus.
about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.